Welcome to the Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Dan Walsh could have continued his very successful career in the world of banking, but instead he took a chance when he decided to start CityMark Capital, which invests in apartments with real estate companies nationwide on behalf of third-party investors. Dan, who serves as CityMark CEO, joins us today for the Landscape as we talk about this Northeast Ohio-based company and the ever-changing world of real estate. Dan, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Dan. It's a real honor to be with you as well and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Often success in business comes when you find a niche that someone else hasn't filled, or perhaps you do something better than other people. Where does CityMark fall into that? Is it one of those two, or is it something in between? What is it? Well, we do have kind of a special sauce, if you will. One of the things that I, you know, don't know is uh, well known is I actually built a similar business inside a key bank about 20 years ago. And uh, what we did then was provided JV equity capital to keys clients across the U.S. for primarily in the apartment space. So starting in the late 90s into the 2000s. Uh, we worked with dozens and dozens of top-notch multifamily companies around the country to provide, provide them with equity for acquisitions and new development in the multifamily space. So really, um, while I did take the risk to leave uh, the, my banking career, uh, I did have the blueprint for having done it before. Um, but more importantly, when I talked about the special sauces, the fact that we had you know two decades of relationships with top multifamily operating companies from across the country. And what that does is it gives us... Um, constant deal flow from about 300 different different operating uh, companies from across the country that send us, you know, apartment investment opportunities on a constant daily basis. So we get to really kind of pick from the cream of the crop, which deals we want to invest in. City Mark invests in what are called value added apartments. How would you define that? So our typical investment is, um, you know, 50 to $100 million acquisition. It'll have 300 apartment units, uh, so they call that an institutional quality apartment, typically built in the 1990s or newer. Um, and, um, and and so what that means, you know, in that in that space, uh, it's highly desirable for institutional owners, whether they be pension funds or other uh, real estate funds or large family offices, they would like to own those assets long term. Um, there's a constant obsolescence that occurs in a new crop of apartments every year that need to be uh, improved and upgraded and brought to the current standards. Uh, you have more and more opportunities to uh, provide upgrades in lighting and, and more environmentally efficient uh, plumbing, et cetera, as well. And that will continue to be the case. And so every year, you know, a, a good chunk of the U.S. apartment supply needs to be upgraded. Um, to maintain the standards required for long-term ownership by pension funds. So we'll go in and, uh, you know, buy one of these investments with our partners, spend two or three years fixing them up uh, and making them, you know, top-notch and then reselling them back into the institutional uh, investor universe. We often hear the mantra that real estate is a local business, yet you have a national approach. How do you merge those two worlds? Yeah, it really goes back again to that, that special sauce where we are uh, we have um, these relationships, which would be very difficult to replicate. You mentioned the idea of a niche. You know, it would be hard for people to kind of snap their fingers and have 20-year relationships with, you know, a couple hundred different multifamily operators from across the country. So you're right, you know, real estate is a local business, but we really piggyback on the local expertise of these partners from around the country that are, are you know, best in class and in, in LA or Dallas or Atlanta or DC. And really what happens is we end up becoming integrated in their 
uh, pipeline process where they'll be looking at 20 or 30 deals at a given time and we're we're in constant communication with them to, to help decide which ones we want to pursue together. So as a result, uh, we, we get the best of both worlds where we get that local expertise, but we get the ability to kind of hover over that entire national network and find the investments that create diversified portfolios for our uh, for our investors that invest in our funds. You mentioned that you were at Key and you were there during the time of the big financial crisis, 2007, 2008. Key had been working with Goldman Sachs to raise investment in, for real estate markets and everything goes south. What did you learn from that experience and how do you apply it to what's going on today? Yeah, it's a great point. It's especially germane to what's going on with the market reset that's happening today, which is it's pretty unique for a couple of reasons, which we, we can talk about. But I was it was fortunate to, to uh, have such a great time, a great career at Key, where actually in 2008, I was put in charge of real estate capital markets to help restructure those businesses and, and help... Um, you know, make sure that uh, we were efficiently uh, managing um, the balance sheet to, um, uh, you know, in some cases, sell assets at uh, levels that, you know, generate capital for, for KeyBank. And so I was honored to be put in that role in a very critical time for the company. And we were very successful in restructuring a lot of the capital markets businesses. Um, I think, you know, I was given that opportunity largely because um, in the private equity space on the real estate side, we, we, we did well. And really, you, you know, I think there's a perspective or perception that equity, you know, is more risky than debt. And, you know, certainly it's higher on the risk spectrum, but it also requires uh, incredible attention to detail. And I think um, that was the reason I was put in that role, um, you know, overseeing the debt capital markets as well, because we were able to kind of get in front of a lot of the issues and position key for future success, which, you know, since I was then recruited away to Huntington in 2010, uh, those businesses have continued to thrive. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. You know, I think that's a theme that is important for anybody's career is to, to you know, really create something that succeeds with or without you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we wanted to put put those businesses on the right footing, which we did. How it relates to today, um, you know, what I learned from Key is is usually your first bid is your best bid, as they say. When the markets are correcting, uh, it only gets worse until at some point it, it stabilizes. And I think we are in a little bit of a time when the market, all asset values are resetting. We've seen the stock market, you know, trade off 20 plus percent. We've seen the bond market have a significant sell off. And and real estate, too, is all you know being repriced right now, largely because of the interest rate environment uh, as the Fed looks to fight inflation, which wasn't the issue in 2008 necessarily. Uh, that was more of a capital markets dislocation and an over leverage and poor structured and, you know, people taking way too much risk. And with weak balance sheets, uh, we're in a different position now where this is more uh, kind of a technically driven issue where rates have been increased significantly. And, and as a result, all asset values are, are re, recalibrating. So it's it's different. But I think that same mantra, if you will, or the same thing we learned or I learned during that time at Key was um, is if you are looking to uh, sell an asset, um, move quickly. Uh, don't wait. Um, I still think we're in for a bumpy road for a while here. And so I learned a lot of that from that time at Key. So it was a very formative time. I think most of us strive for stability in our lives, including in our financial lives. But does volatility create opportunity? I think it does. You know, I think um, the volatility definitely creates opportunity. It's something that we've um, talked about a lot. I, I think that it gets back to that point where um, 
you have to have the stomach to say, you know, uh, to sell and have the stomach to buy. Um, I think that the, right now you've seen a certain washout of speculators. You know, you look at the crypto space, you look at, you know, what happened with GameStop and, you know, there was a certain amount of momentum where investors could, you know, or did, I shouldn't say could, but they did invest in, in things that just weren't supported fundamentally. And that's now getting washed out, which is fine. That does create opportunities for uh, disciplined investors to, um, you know, uh, find that opportunity. So I, I think that uh, we were, when I look at it from a real estate perspective, there were, you know, there probably are some uh, groups that, you know, if you look at overall in the housing industry, it's the fundamentals are still incredibly strong. Uh, multifamily is still very undersupplied nationally. We're short about 4 million units, uh, 4 million homes um, nationally. And, um, and you have, you know, uh, people that continue to move all over the country for, uh, with a very tight job market. Um, so we are kind of taking, we're, we're very active in the market looking for opportunities, but uh, taking our time knowing that there's probably still some uh, dislocation as the Fed continues to raise rates. Uh, that'll put pressure on people that maybe have too much debt on their properties and can't service that debt. And uh, we'll be able to potentially provide a solution to, uh, to reposition those properties uh, for a longer term haul. Dan Walsh joins us today for the Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. Dan is the founder and CEO of CityMark Capital based here in Northeast Ohio. We're talking a little about real estate and what Dan does. Dan, one of the things you do is you have to raise funds. I know a little bit about fundraising, but not at your level. What's the key to being a good fundraiser? Well, we've been fortunate. We've raised about $400 million of capital across three funds since 2017. Uh, we bought 21 apartment communities across the country with over a billion dollars in value and 12 different U.S. markets. I think the, the key to being a successful fundraiser is to be incredibly focused on your strategy and to be very transparent with your investors, you know, to make it an understandable strategy. Again, you mentioned 2008. I think a lot of the issues that, uh, you know, caused some of the problems then were, were just pretty esoteric, complicated investment structures that, you know, I think wise people say, I only invest in things that I can understand. Um, we try to keep our model very simple and, uh, and, and honest. We're not, we tell people this is not, you know, venture capital. Uh, we're investing in uh, assets that are, you know, should be predictably, um, you know, have somewhat predictable performance. It's not going to be a three or four or five times your money. It's going to be a simple, you know, well-performing, generate cash flow, have some appreciation and generate an acceptable return and just keep that simplicity. You know, we don't make that guarantee that that happens, obviously, but we believe that that approach is what uh, uh, is, is, is why we raise the capital and, and why investors um, like our investment approach. You were able to hit your second target for funding some $150 million in 2020. That's a pretty big accomplishment in a pandemic. Were you surprised you were able to do it? Well, it was it definitely was a challenging time. Um, I do think it underscores the, the strength of our team. It's a team effort. You know, we've doubled our team during COVID as well. So we were while we were raising capital, we, we increased the size of our team to uh, take advantage of the existing housing fundamentals nationally, the amount of opportunities we were seeing. So it, it wasn't easy. It's never easy raising money, whether or not there's a pandemic. <laughs> it's one of the <laughs> harder parts of the job. But we were pleased that, you know, we we're lucky that our team, you know, continued to, to work hard through that and achieve the target. It's interesting. I obviously talked to a lot of CEOs and other people on the landscape. You might be the first one to say you doubled your team during the pandemic. How did you do that? 
Well, we were, you know, admittedly starting from a small base of about six people. We're up to 12. Uh, okay. But uh, and we're on that growth trajectory overall as we continue to grow the team. So, you know, maybe easier to double than a Fortune 500 company, obviously. But uh, it, it is kind of rewarding to, to look back and, again, know that we had a team that we built at Key that, you know, was pretty sizable in the same space. What's different this time is that a lot of that we built the, the systems, you know, inside a key internally. But what has emerged since the first time I built, you know, this uh, same uh, business is there are a lot of third-party providers uh, that can, you know, we can outsource a lot of different functions of, of uh, what we do from a fund management perspective uh, while we're growing. And that actually made it pretty feasible for us to to build CityMark from scratch. And, uh, you know, as we start to build that stuff more and more internally and bring things in-house. I was going to say, you mentioned that people are interested in, in this multifamily housing. Um, investors are. Is it because, it, as you describe it, it's, it's a safe, a safer investment? I mean, I know investment's completely safe, but... Yeah, I always want to be careful. There's always risk, obviously, when you're investing in real estate or equity. And, and we believe that it is uh, on a relative basis. If you look back on, um, you know, there's a lot of data out there that tracks... Uh, you know, real estate sector investment performance. And if you look at all the different, you know, apartments, industrial, retail, office, the different, you know, major sectors of the real estate investment space, apartments, uh, the data show that uh, apartments historically have had a outperformance uh, by about 200 basis points over those other uh, sectors. Um, it's around 9% over a very long period of time versus, you know, six, 7% for the other sectors. Um, again, not a eye-popping, you know, venture capital kind of return, but again, it's it's more about making sure it's it's a tangible, real asset, a hard asset that um, you know you know you have something of value that you know retains its value. And I'm a pretty conservative person, as you can imagine. Building a an equity business inside of a Fortune 500 bank was uh, you're expected to make sure that everything was done uh, uh, under you know intense regulatory scrutiny, and we've replicated that with uh, CityMark uh, with the idea of you know, making sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're building this team, not just when I look at it, we have 12 colleagues, but we're really, you know, supporting 12 families. And as we continue to grow our team, we want to make sure that we do make those investments in a prudent way to protect the company and, and our investors along the way. You mentioned that people are moving in this tight job market and they are then moving into apartments. Are there other factors that are driving this interest in apartment living? Is it because people, does a, does a bad economy send people to move into apartments because they can't afford housing or what, what drives this? Yeah, it definitely is a hedge during a recessionary environment that, you know, unfortunately people are, are more likely to rent and not take the risk of buying a home. Uh, on top of that, you know, you look at interest rates, which are still, I mean, it's historically low. It, you know, it's in the 5 to 6% range to buy a home now, which is up you know, significantly since January 1st. Um, so I'd say that's the other thing right now that, um, you know, before interest rates went up, the amount of student debt that people had was a pretty significant barrier for people to buy a home. Unfortunately, now that's exacerbated by um, rising interest rates. So as a result, they have to go somewhere and, and renting is, is the option. Um, and so we've, you know, and as I mentioned, there's, there's still a general lack of supply for new apartment housing. Uh, that's changing. There's a decent amount of new supply in the pipeline, which is a great thing for, you know, for our society to have options to live in a nice home, whether it's a rental or, or owned. But uh, yeah, I would say that those fundamentals of rising rates uh, existing student debt, lack of supply, mean that um, we believe that the apartment space will continue to be 
attractive uh, from an investment perspective. How about this, the issue of remote work? Um, is that playing any, any, are there any trends show that then relate back to multifamily housing or people, since they're not going to the office or does this hurt or help, or does it have any factor in, in the multi-part, you know, the, the apartment business? Yeah, I mean, during the pandemic, I would say, that's a great question. During the pandemic, it was it was probably neutral because um, on the one hand, people's apartments became their homes and their offices. And um, we did see occupancy, you know, stay very strong. It, it helped for our model because we were going in and upgrading units and people wanted, you know, you saw that people who own homes but put a lot of money into their homes to renovate them, knowing that they're going to be spending more time, you know, cooped up watching Netflix in their family room or you know, whatever. Um, or, or building out home offices. The same is true for a renter. Uh, they wanted to live in a nice place. We would fix them up, and that was a positive. You know, I, I think, too, that um, what you saw, though, was a less less movement overall during the pandemic, um, and uh, which was fine. You know, we it, it, just, it generally gave us the opportunity to continue with our strategy. In terms of where it goes, uh, as offices open up, presumably, um, I know that's a debate right now whether or not that happens. I, I think what approved is remote work can work. Uh, what it also did is it, it caused people to, to move even more around the country nationally to markets they wanted to be in. Luckily, they were in markets we were located, like Dallas and Atlanta and Austin, um, and we'll continue to in, invest in those markets. Uh, we like them a lot. Um, and from a quality of life standpoint, people move to those places. Um, there were the pendulum, we think, will we'll always move back. I don't know that it'll move all the way back to pre-pandemic from, you know, in terms of office, uh, people being in the office. I do think that's a big question mark right now with the recession. Some people are saying that uh, to the extent that um, the recession causes layoffs and, and, you know, concern for people from a career standpoint, uh, they may want to be in the office more (laughs) just from a career preservation standpoint and just being visible. So we'll see if that plays out. Neither really has a a, a pretty material impact on our overall uh, investment uh, strategy, I would say. Finally, uh, you mentioned the areas that City Mark is involved in. Are there metro areas that you are looking at, or are there things that maybe five years ago weren't so big? They're now starting to see the kind of places that would be worth investing in multifamily apartments. Yeah. So what's interesting about that? So we look for one of the important things that we look for from an investment standpoint is making sure that um, if we're whatever market we're investing in, it has at least one billion dollars of annual apartment sales. You know, where there are, there's just activity and liquidity, where institutional investors are are active in those markets. And, um, and there are about 40 markets in the U S that have that, uh, that have at least a billion dollars of annual sales. So that would be our typical place where we would, would look, uh, why that's important is that we want to make sure there's an ability for our investors to, um, exit the investment when it's done. And so, uh, Columbus is a market that's actually now, uh, gone over that billion dollar mark and we made our first investment there. So that's a little bit closer to home. Uh, it's tougher to find things in the Midwest because, a lot of people were moving to, you know, Atlanta and Dallas and Austin and places like that. Um, Denver, um, Denver's a great market. We like a lot. Reno is emerging out in uh, uh, northern Nevada, uh, largely from people moving from the state capital in Sacramento and northern California. So you do see some, you know, a lot of people that left the coasts during, um, you know, or high tax environments because they could work remotely at a, and, you know, make the same amount of money and have a lower cost of living. I, I think a certain amount of that will continue, but again, pendulum swinging. We think the coasts, you know, the you know the Boston's, the New Yorks, the San Francisco, Seattle, L.A. will continue to be strong. And while they got hit during the pandemic, we'll start to see those probably firm up a little bit. So we have our eye on those markets as well. 
because they didn't see the same kind of strong rent growth as much as the other markets that we've invested in. We'll stay focused on the current markets we're in, but we always, that's the beauty of our model is we don't have any pressure to do a deal in any given market. We have the ability to look at trends and where the, where the, you know, you know, where the puck is going, as they say. Dan, thanks for joining us and sharing some insights into this multifamily housing business. It's been a great pleasure having you with us today. Likewise, Dan, I really enjoyed it. And it's, like I said, an honor to be with you today and uh, appreciate the opportunity. Dan Walsh is the founder and CEO of CityMark Capital based here in Cleveland. He joined us for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. We're glad you could join us today and we'll talk again soon. Thank you.